we are finishing up this little four-week service uh, um, series that we have done on the idea of hope here in the month of August. Uh, because hope is so important. We, you know, our God is a God of hope. He made us in His image. We need hope. And yet we're going through this crushing time within our society where people are lacking hope. In fact, I saw a study. It was done in a different state. I'll let them rename, you know, nameless because I'd hate to throw California under the bus. (laughs) But it was a study that was done that 44% of all the adults there in that state are suffering with clinical levels. That means they need some help clinical levels of anxiety and depression. Think about that. One out of every two. I would venture to say we're probably not that far off. And so if you're here today and you're struggling with that, can I just stop? I've been saying this the whole time. I want to say it again. I want to say it again. If you're looking for hope, The greatest place to find real, true, life-saving hope is in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about religion. I am talking about knowing personally a God who loves you so much that he came and he died for you. He died so that you could be forgiven. He knows right where you're at, and he has provided that not only can you be forgiven, but you can have an eternity that is incredible because see hope is really based on the fact of certainty that good will come well man in Jesus there's hope because I know that whatever happens tomorrow he's going to be with me he's going to be using it for my good and that one day I'm going to be with him it's going to be a a great day, a better day than today. And that's where it all starts. And so if you've not come to know Jesus, can I just tell you, that's where it begins. That's where real true hope is found. Now, once you come to know him, I mean, he brings faith, he brings love. We're told we need to build our faith. We're told that we need to increase our love. We're also got to continue to grow in hope. It's one of those muscles we got to exercise. That's what we've been talking about. And today we're going to talk about it in relation to these two things. Number one, partner, don't do it alone. And secondly, protect. So if you got your Bibles, we're going to start in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Now if you got your Bible on your phone, that's really easy to find. If you got an actual Bible, it's Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. And that's where we're going to be. But I want to talk about partnering because the reality is, is that we all need other people in our life. You know, you go back to the story of creation and what are we told? That God made man in his image. Now, what does it mean that we were made in the image of God? That's, that's an interesting study. If you've never looked at it, I would encourage you to do it. But one of the things it means is that we were created for community. You say, Steve, how? Well, see, God has always existed in community with himself. He has always existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's who he is. That's his nature. And so when God created us, he created us in that same nature in vain. We were created for community. And then you see it in the story of Genesis 1 and 2. You know, there's a rhythm that goes on uh, from the 
kind of from the literature side. God spoke, God made, and it was good. God spoke, God made, and it was good. And you see this over and over until God makes man, but he just makes Adam. Eve's not around yet. God spoke, God made, and then it says it was not good. Turns it on its head. Why? Because it's not good that man is alone. We were created for community. And so what you've got to understand is this is so important. This is what, okay, so who wrote Ecclesiastes? Solomon, wisest man in the world. Look at what he says, verse 9, Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. And how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Folks, we were made for community. It's important when we go through the ups, the downs, the good and the bad in life, to have other people to help us process through this. Now here's the thing, and this is where I think we run into problems. Friendships at their heart are not found, but they're built. They're built. You see, so many people are looking to find friends. And sure enough, I mean, every once in a while, you'll find that person who, you know, you just kind of click with, right? You kind of see life the same way. Uh, you enjoy the same things. You laugh at the same jokes, and it clicks. But here's the thing. Even with that friendship, if you don't invest time and energy and shared experiences, friendship won't last. Why? Because friendship is built built so i thought i'd give you an example i've got a really good friend i think probably you know him his name's gary in case you don't that's gary right and uh, we he is a That's what the fancy We've 
He's he just. the thing. If you get to was about a hundred the thing you got to know about Gary is Gary is probably the exact polar opposite of me. I mean, first of all, Gary is a, Gary's a social guy. He loves people. In fact, when he's not around people for a couple hours, he begins to twitch. I mean, he just, he's got to have his people fixed. Now, I know that many of you don't believe this when I mention it, or you see that picture and you go, ah. But I, by nature, am an introvert. I like my alone time. And when I say my alone time, I mean my time or my time with Tammy. That's considered alone for me. I, I enjoy it. And it's so funny because, you know, Tammy will head off to go see her sister up in Washington State. And the next thing I know, I'm getting a call from Gary. This happens all the time. Hey, what are you doing for dinner? Uh, I'm eating at home alone. Now, you've got to understand that for Gary, the worst thing you could ever do in your life is eat a meal by yourself. What fun is that? And I'm sitting there going, I get to eat a meal by myself. This is glorious. But I want you to come over. And Gary, you're my friend. But I, I want time by myself. He's an extrovert. I'm an introvert. He's also a peacemaker. In fact, his daughter, he's a peacemaker. He, 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 he likes to smooth the troubled waters. He like you know, when, when he knows people are kind of just, uh, he loves to go in and just bring them all, and he just he kind of works it and massages it, and it's really good. I, by nature, I like a little confrontation. I mean, it just who I, it's how I was raised. You know, my family, we get together, we're known as the elephant hunters, right? Let's go find the elephant in the room, let's shoot it, drag it out here, and talk about it. And if we can't find the elephant, we sometimes will make up an elephant, right? That's, that's me. And, uh, and so it's so funny because I, I've seen, in fact, a lot of times that there's, I'll bring Gary in because he's a peacemaker. So 25 years I've pastored this church, uh, we've had just boatloads of good guys on our board, and Gary's been a part of our board for many of those years. And, um, and 
And as I stand here today, I can only remember walking away from a leadership meeting of this church, an elder meeting, uh, that I would have said, man, that didn't go so well twice. 25 years, that's pretty good. Uh, and the one time it was, we are still back in Glendale, and uh, I, I just, I was frustrated. I, and I was frustrated. And I think I had right to be frustrated. So the next day after the meeting, I'm picking Gary up. He's going with me to do something. And I knew it was coming. And I, I just didn't want to hear it. And so sure enough, he gets in my car. And again, he's not confrontational. He's not going to say, hey, you know, he's not going to go right at it. He's going he's to schmooze his way in, right? He's going to weave the conversation around to try, hey, this is okay. And so we get down the road about a half mile and I could feel it coming. And so I pulled over, I stopped and I said, listen, I'm frustrated. I think I've got every reason to be frustrated. I don't want to hear about it. And he just smiled. All right, he knew. He, he, he got that. And I would process it and work it over, and we would be fine. But that's him. Also, he's, a, uh, he's an administrator. He loves processes. He loves to figure out how to make things work smoothly. I am more of a strategic thinker. I like to look at things from the 10,000, 50,000 foot view and, and, and to think strategically. But here's the thing. Over the years, these two opposites have become fast friends. Uh, because we, yeah, we've, we've served together, we've sung together, we've prayed together, we've cried together, we, we've done life together, we've, we, we've uh, shared what's gone on with our families. And, and because friendships are built, they're not found. And folks, you've got to understand it takes time to build friendships. And, and that friendships are going to exist at different levels. Sometimes it's like if I don't have my, you know, a bestie, you know, that's what it was like in grade school, right? You've got your best friend. But, you know, somehow today I think in this Instagram culture we, we think about, well, I've got to have my bestie. Well, no, how about having... How about having a number of friends that are maybe even at different levels of friendship, and, but they're all growing, they're all maturing. Because the reality is you need different types of friends in your life because they all bring something different. For instance, every one of us needs somebody, a friend in our life who is a vision caster who helps us look beyond our own boxes, who helps us think outside of, of our realm of possibility. I've got a couple of those friends. I wouldn't consider them, you know, necessarily best friends, but they're people I run into and I want to go hang with once, twice a year, three times a year. And, and just because every time I walk away, man, I'm thinking different about life. I'm thinking different about ministry. You need a vision caster. Maybe it's somebody you don't even know so well. Maybe it's an author that you just really begin to follow because that's what they do for you. Or somebody who leads a podcast. But beyond that, you need somebody who is a truth teller. Solomon said, you know, like iron sharpens iron. So one friend sharpens another. You need somebody who sharpens you, who loves you enough that they'll, they're not going to tell you what you want to hear. But they're going to tell you the truth. They're going to explain reality to you from their perspective when you kind of got it, you know, behind the rose-colored glasses. Those friends are so important in your life. You also need a role model. You need somebody that you're looking up to, you're trying to learn from. I realized this last week or two, you know, that now all of a sudden, 
that's, we had this young couple. They're so sweet. They're getting married here this fall. And they came and said, you know, would you and Tammy be willing to do premarital counseling? And, I, and, you know, and I've shared with you, I am not a good counselor. That's not my giftedness. So I kind of asked why. Well, because we just want to see a couple that's been married for all these years, you know, and learn from them. And I thought, man, I'm an old role model now, you know. But it's good. So we met with them this last Sunday, and how sweet it was just to sit. And, and I thought, man, how, how wise of them to start trying to put people like that in their life. I, I, another one that you need is what I call the heart healer. Somebody who will listen. Someone who knows you well enough that they're sometimes just letting you vent, let you go. I mean, for me, Gary fits a lot of these, but if I had to put him in one category, it's the heart healer. He's just, he's so empathetic. He, he just cares. And man, when I'm trying to process through stuff, he, he's the guy that will listen. So let me ask you this question. As you sit here today, how would you answer, who am I close to? Who are the people in your life that are the heart healers, the vision casters, the truth tellers? Who, who are you developing relationship with and working at? So can I share maybe one of the biggest frustrations as a pastor after 25 years? Because it happens periodically. People come, no offense, but they sit kind of toward the back. And they come, and we... We talk about connect groups, and they don't sign up. And we offer Bible study classes, and I hope our adult Bible study classes will get going here in a you know, few weeks, a month, sometime, and they don't go. We offer ministry opportunities. They don't take them. And typically two, two and a half, maybe three years, they're heading out the door. I couldn't find a friend here. And every opportunity where they had to take to go and work at a friendship, they've not taken. You know, as I thought about Gary and I and how we became friends, it really was, you know, quite honestly, probably the simplest thing. We served Jesus together. We sang together in a quartet. We served on boards together. We built sets together. We served Jesus together. And that's how two opposites became a friend. So who are you close to? Second thing that we want to talk about today is this idea, protect. Protect. And that is you need to protect your, your heart, your soul. You know, Jesus even said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? And so when we talk about protect, you need to learn to play good defense, to watch over your soul, to understand how are you doing? Are you facing those things of anxiety, depression, or are you in a good place? Uh, it, it's such an important piece. You know, Jesus, Jesus did this really well. In fact, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to go to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. But think about Jesus. So he's out ministering. People are coming from everywhere to be healed. So much so that they're just getting overwhelmed. So early in the morning, people are showing back up. They go to find Jesus. Guess what? Jesus is gone, isn't he? 
he's got up before everybody else and gone out to spend time with his father. Why? Because it was time with his father that energized him. He was protecting. So he, he, he was playing good defense. When those around him and people that he loved even spoke the negativity and, and things that were in, not in alliance with the father, he, 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 he got rid of it. I mean, you remember the first time he told the disciples that he was going to die? <laughs> and Peter stood up and said, that's never going to happen. We're not going to, don't speak that way. What was his response? Peter, get behind me, Satan. He, he just, he played really good defense. So here's the story. In Mark chapter 6, and in Mark chapter 6, he sends out his disciples two by two to go minister. Uh, you find it back in, I think it's about verse 7. And they go out and they begin to preach and whatever. And now you pick it up here in verse uh, 30, and it says, The apostles gathered together with Jesus, and they reported to him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they didn't even have time to eat, and they went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. See, Jesus was trying to teach them. Man, you've gone out, you've given, you now need to take time away. You need to protect your soul. And when you think about setting up a good defense, for those of you that like sports analogies, you know that the best defense is a good offense. I mean, we're heading into football season, right? which is my favorite sport to watch. And that's true. Why? Because a good offense in football keeps your defense on the sidelines so they don't get worn out, right? They also don't turn the ball over on their own 20-yard line so all of a sudden they've got their backs to the end zone trying to protect it. A good defense is, comes from a great offense. In fact, uh, Bill, I even hate to remind you of this. And the rest of you, but do you all remember the 2018 Cardinals? They were brutal. I mean, their offense, the way I would explain it is they were unwatchable, though I ended up watching it. I mean, I probably was the only one in the Valley still watching by the end of the season. They couldn't get a first down to save their life. But what people forget, what they win, three games that year? I mean, it got us, got us the first pick in the draft. We got Kyler, so there's hope, right? You know, keep, remember hope. Got to lift your expectations. But what most people forget about that team is that their defense actually was pretty good, especially going in at the beginning of the season. And their defense played really hard for, you know, three quarters. The problem was they were on the field the whole time, and they would just run out of gas, and then the team would run it up. And then they come out the next week and they played really good for about three quarters, but they're on the field the whole time because the offense can't even get a first down. And then they'd run it up, and then by about game 12, they'd just given up, and it was really bad. But, folks, the best defense you could put in is a good offense. What do you mean by that, Steve? Well, what have we been talking about the last three weeks? Well, number one, you want to have hope? Make sure you're recharging your batteries. Don't run on empty. Think Elijah who spiritually, emotionally, and physically became tired. There was nothing left. And then he runs in despair, even becomes suicidal. Lean into the things that energize you. Then 
We talked about raising your expectations. Sometimes you can get so overwhelmed with the what is that you forget the what could be with God's help. Think Nehemiah, the, the walls of, of Israel, Jerusalem, have been torn down for 92 years, and yet he raised his expectations and in 52 days got them rebuilt. Last week we talked about the importance of dreaming or dreaming again because the truth is all of our dreams at some point are going to get crushed. Life does that. That's what happened with Joseph. But dream again. Refocus the dream. Because now, what God may be doing, just like with Joseph, it wasn't about you know, his brothers bowing down to him, but God was going to give him a place of authority so that he could protect his brothers. And then last week, we talked about drive, the importance of playing to your strengths. You know why that's important? That's what will that's energize you. When you do... And you focus on the thing that you bring to the table in your family and in your church and in your work and in your community. You're going to be effective. And that effectiveness is the thing that energizes you. You go, man, I like doing this. Because you're living in alignment with how God made you. We just talked about partnering. That's how you play a good offense. But you still got to play defense. You still got to play defense so let me give you three things that you got to stay away from because these are hope killers the first one you know sometimes when i list you know it's just a list so you have to have a one but this one is number one because it is really number one the number one hope stealer in people's lives is bitterness and resentment it'll kill you you hold. Somebody's done you wrong. Folk, we've all had people that have done us wrong. We've all been hurt. It's all been unfair. But when you are not willing to forgive and you hold bitterness, it becomes the cancer of your soul. Somebody said, you know, bitterness and resentfulness is like drinking poison and then waiting for the other person to die. Because it doesn't affect them at all, but it affects you. And some of you are in a marriage and you want it to get better, but you're holding on to stuff and how you've been wrong and how you've been mistreated, and you have. I'm not arguing that with you. But you see, the Bible's given us an antidote to it. It's called forgiveness and grace. And it's forgiveness even when they don't deserve it, because our forgiveness is supposed to be how God forgave us, right? And did we deserve that? No. And so we forgive and allows us to begin to look for a hope tomorrow. But you're living in a marriage and you've got resentment and you have stuff that you're not forgiven. And it's never going to make progress because you're always looking back at the hurt, the injury. You're never going to be able to overcome it. Some of you got some relationships with family because somebody's done you wrong and they have done you wrong. But you're holding on to it. And, and you're not willing to forgive. And it's, you know, uh, the, the passage there in Hebrews talks about a root of bitterness. And I love that picture. Because we've all had, you know, that weed that's in our yard that we, you know, can't actually yank out. Uh, it's just, it's too hard. So I always get tired and I just kind of kick it off at the top, right? But you come out two days later, it's grown back. Why? Because the root's still there. you got to dig the dumb thing out. He says, don't let a root of bitterness... You all know, and I, I, if you attend here anyway, I, I try really hard not to get political. 
This is not political. It's an observation, so please don't read it from political eyes, please, because that's not how it's meant. But you kind of look at all that's happening with our country from the anger, the anxiety over the whole COVID piece to some of what's happening in some of our cities across the line, and I can't help but wonder if this isn't the issue. Because we've been taught that we're all victims of something, and the truth is we probably all are. I mean, life just isn't fair. The problem is, if you're going to hang on to that, it becomes a cancer to your soul, and it it grows anger and hostility. There's an antidote. It's forgiveness and grace, as we have been forgiven. The second thing that is a hope killer is the idea of worry and anxiety. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with, with thanksgiving. Uh, let your praise be known unto God. So when we worry, when we let the things, and we've talked about this a lot, but it will steal your hope. You've got to stay away from it. Cast all your cares upon Jesus. The third thing is this. We look back at re- with regret. We, you know, last week we talked about why the windshield is so big and the rearview mirror is so small. Why? Because if you're standing at the rear and looking at the rearview mirror all the time, you're going to drive the car in the ditch. You're going to drive your life in the ditch. Is it okay to look back every once in a while? Yeah, to see, you know, see you know, what you can do better. But you start looking back at my, man, I messed this up. I screwed this up and all of this. You're never going to be able to lift your eyes to what God wants to do in the future, to hope. You're living in past regret, not in hope. I love what John said in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Stay away from those hope killers. They'll destroy your soul. Let me finish today with uh, what I would call practical steps to play good defense. And whenever I say practical steps on a note, it just basically means I can't point to a verse on this one. Uh, This is kind of, you know, as Paul said, I say not the Lord. Okay, so this is kind of Steve's thoughts of things that have helped me. But they've been really helpful to me. Number one, one of the great things you can do to play good defense is to take a Sabbath. Now, I'm not talking about going to the law and, you know, sundown on Friday through sundown on Saturday. No, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is I think God put a rhythm into our life. And if you work... 24-7, 365, it is not good for your soul. It's not healthy for you on the inside. And so finding that time that you take away from what you normally do and, you know, to worship the Lord, to get rest, to, to do the fun things that energize you. You know, that's just such an important piece. For me, it's Fridays. It's, it, it, Friday is my day with Tammy. It's my day to not... Now, to be honest with you, as a pastor, sometimes people get sick. I've got to deal with that on Friday. Sometimes people have surgery. Sometimes there's funerals. Sometimes there's weddings. Okay, it's, it, it's not that it's perfect, but I will tell you, if I feel something in my soul, and I look back over the last month, and every Friday I've been doing ministry instead of taking time off, it... You know? Become self-explained. Number two is just sleep. You know, I've never met anybody who struggled with sleep who was in a healthy position. 
either physically or emotionally. Sleep is so important, and we take it so long. And, and in fact, for me, I can remember uh, a couple of years, well, actually probably about uh, eight, ten years ago now, I, I learned about this because I was struggling with my sleep. But what you've got to understand is, uh, and I've shared this before, and if you don't believe me, talk to Tammy. She will confirm, I am cheap. I do not like to spend money, especially on stuff that, you know, it doesn't seem to be a lot of value. So our kind of way of doing this, when we got married uh, and we got our new bedroom set, my, my parents happened to be getting a new mattress, so we took their old one. And we used it. And they, you know, they typically did it 12 to 15 years, and we got another 12 to 15 out. It was great. And then when they got a new one, we got theirs, and it was just perfect. And about 8, 10 years ago, uh, somebody shared with me, hey, do you know you should change your mattress like every 7 to 8 years? My first thought was, man, that's expensive. Why would you do that? But then I realized I wasn't sleeping so good. I went out and bought a new mattress. Guess what? Help me sleep. Uh, many of you know, I, you know, two years ago, I, was, uh, I lost weight. Guess what? Helped me sleep. Nobody does well when you're struggling with sleep. I'm not a sleep doctor, not trying to play it, but, but uh, when you get your days and your nights m messed up, it's going to deal with your emotional quotient there in your heart. Your, your hope is such an important thing. Uh, I got to hurry. Let your calendar become your protector. If you want to ask me what's the number one best leadership principle I ever found, it was this. Because here in my life, your life may be different, but, you know, I, I'm about people. I meet with people and I do all this. And, and when somebody needs to meet with you and they call and you say, well, I can't meet them because I'm studying, they go, well, man, my problem's really important. You can study another time. And what they don't realize is every weekend I have to get up here and people actually expect me to have something prepared, right? And so it does kind of become somewhat important to me. And, but I realized it just felt like, well, hey, I must not have value with Steve. And I just learned, okay, so what I do now, people call, hey, I've got this issue. I say, hey, I can't meet with you tomorrow on Tuesday because I'm all booked up, but I can meet on Wednesday. And they go, oh, okay, it's great. Right? So you let your calendar be able to become your protector. It also helps you get the important things into your life. Number four is don't make large decisions when you're struggling internally. Dave Ramsey often says that when you're broke, desperate and stupid follow closely after that. When you're not good in your soul, you're fighting depression, anxiety, and you start making big life decisions, you will make bad decisions. You know why? Because you're trying to get out of the pain. And yet the short-term solution is typically not the long-term answer. So be very careful about making large decisions when you're down, you're scared, you're anxious, you're upset. And the last thing is kind of how we started today. The best advice I can get you is this, lean into Jesus. He's the God of hope. If you don't know him today, man, he, he'll bring hope into your life. I mean, he stands there at the door of your heart and knocks. He died for you. He loves you. And if you just invite him into your life, accept him as your savior, man, he'll give you hope. And then as his child, what I have found in those times when I'm down and I'm discouraged, if, if I'll just take some time away to lean into him, 
to go spend some extra time in prayer, to, to have some extra time in his word, just to sit before him and share my heart. I've never walked away from one of those moments without him renewing the hope that, hey, maybe even it's, this is a difficult season, but I will see you through. 